So today, Dakota, we're talking about legalism. And kind of my personal story, and I'll keep it short, is growing up, we got involved in a church that was actually a pretty good church. And over the course that we were there, it started going more and more legalistic. They started doing awkward things like drinking vinegar instead of grape juice or wine with communion because that's what Jesus supposedly had last on the cross. And they started doing awkward things like this and saying this is the way that things need to be done. So we started sensing a little uh, legalism developing, and as we researched, we found that the pastor, unbeknownst to anyone in the church, had just joined this growing denomination. It's actually based out of Phoenix, and I'll, I'll actually even say the name normally, I wouldn't, but it, it, it's called the Potter's House. And everything that we could find from that denomination was that it was extremely legalistic, and where pastors would tell people what they could wear, and what they could say, and where they could work, and what they could do. And it was all kind of news to us, but we began seeing a lot of this and a lot of other corruption in the church. That was my first exposure in real life to legalism and people trying to take over the freedom that I had in Christ as a teenager at that point. In fact, that church even told me that I had to not date my first girlfriend, who I was dating at the time, because we weren't members of that church at that time. We had, by that time, left as a result of a lot of... Uh, stealing and deception, so real corrupt issues, right? That, uh, we didn't leave just because of legalism. And I was informed that, that my relationship was, was going to be ended uh, because I wasn't a part of that church. So they even determined what kind of relationships we could have and with whom and things like this. So there was a lot of legalism. And as we looked into that more, we found that there are some big danger signs. Since then, we've actually met people that grew up in that denomination that were, uh, that were just put under an unbearable of, of legalism. And so I don't usually like to criticize denominations, but today there will be some denominations mentioned. I think maybe Dakota will mention some in the strength group. I don't know. But regardless, there are some denominations that are a lot more legalistic than others, and I think that you need to be aware of those as a Christian and encourage those that you're uh, encouraging to be aware of those also and to not be legalistic with them if they choose to be a member of one of those denominations, right? You need to give them the freedom God gives you to grow as well. So, kind of legalism is the idea that you should not eat this, drink that, go there, do that, think this way, ask those types of questions. You ever hear that? Don't ask those types of questions. Pretty much every year we find out, we hear from a student that in youth group growing up, they were told not to ask those types of questions. And usually, that student ends up rebelling hard against God. In fact, I got <laughs> several hate messages from one of them this week, I got three emails, and the first two were some of the meanest emails I've ever received in my life. And this poor girl grew up in a Christian church, and her youth pastor told her, uh, don't ask those types of questions, you know. So anyway, and now she's a rebelling atheist, uh, furious at God. I even talked to another guy at the skate park uh, last summer when we were doing evangelism, and he rebelled against the church because of the same thing. Somebody told him, don't ask those types of questions. I remember a guy named... I'm not going to say his name on video. I remember a guy a few years back that put his trust in Christ here. His last day at this school before he left. I haven't seen him since the day he trusted Christ here. And so I, I hope and pray that he's still walking with God. But it took about a year of sharing with him before he trusted Christ. And as a kid, he had gone to youth group to investigate. He didn't grow up in a Christian family. He was a skater, though, and he looked like a skater. And he was told when he went to youth group, don't ever come back here because you dress like a skater. <laughs> Nuts. And we don't want those types of kids in our group. 
All right? So don't wear that. Don't think this way. Don't ask those types of questions. Don't hang out with those kinds of people. Oh, you hang out with skaters? We don't want you around. Don't dress like that. Don't listen to that kind of music. Obviously, there's a lot of music that's really bad, and somebody could be justified in encouraging you to glorify God with the music you listen to. Be, be careful about that and to be discerning. But that ultimately is a decision that you and God have to make, right? Um, and you can't go, especially as far as styles. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot more Christians than there are today telling you rock music is of the devil, and even Christian rock music, right? And uh, so I, I remember being told I couldn't listen to different bands. And Petra was a little bit of a rebellious thing to listen to. You remember the old Petra? Praise band, rock band, whatever. Anyway, don't listen to that kind of music. Don't watch those movies. A lot of Christians will say, you can't watch R-rated movies. Well, that's not in Scripture. I don't watch R-rated movies typically, because typically they have a lot of junk that I don't need to watch. Garbage in, garbage out, right? But there have been some great R-rated movies, like Schindler's List, which was rated R appropriately, but... But uh, it was a good historical movie, and, uh, yeah, but told a really sad story in graphic detail. Okay, so it would be very legalistic to just say across the board, no R movies, no rock music, no rap, no blah, 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 don't dress like a skater. Uh, be in church every Sunday or Saturday. Another denomination that might get mentioned is the Seventh-day Adventists. They talk a lot about being in church on Saturdays only. Sunday, I've actually seen a big, huge billboard. And it said, going to church on Sunday equals 666 equals the mark of the beast. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. I mean, this is like a monstrous billboard that undoubtedly costs tons of money to keep going for a long time. Okay, guys, that was legalistic. Uh, say the right things. Act a specific way. If you ever felt like I'm not acting Christian enough, right? Have you, has a, has a non-Christian friend of yours ever cussed when they're around you? And then say, oh, excuse me. You ever get that? I get that all the time. And I want to say, I'm really not concerned with you cussing, buddy. I'm concerned with your heart and how your heart is towards Jesus. That's the issue to me, right? And, and maybe at some point in the future, my hope is the Holy Spirit will lead you to him and then mature you to a point where you don't want to cuss. But why do you think they developed that natural response? Because a lot of Christians have been super legalistic about the way they spoke and not very interested in their heart for God and their salvation. That's sad, right? Uh, do those Christian activities, right? Do all these different things. Okay, different churches will mandate what days you should worship, how you should worship, what you should and shouldn't eat, etc. All these different things we're told to do and not do. And that's wrong. Some of you are going to share some scripture in a minute about the freedom that we have in Christ and preserving that. You should never go further than what Scripture says. You should keep it there, right? You should keep it there. Now, here's the caution, though. Don't let your freedom be a license to sin. Jude 1.4 says, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our Lord God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Right? So they're using grace as a license for immorality. That's what happens on the opposite end of the spectrum from legalism. Oh, don't be legalistic. Anything goes. And I've seen Christians do that too. If you love your girlfriend, have sex with her. God just wants you to love people. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> right? Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Right? So the first caution is, 
don't go to the opposite end of the spectrum from legalism where you say, I can do anything I want. God's grace is sufficient. Right? That'd be the wrong attitude. Another caution is don't let your freedom become a stumbling block to your brother. Listen from Romans 14, 19 through 21. Actually, is, why don't you read this? 14, 14 19 through 21. Okay, cool. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So again there, this is the first class we did about the party scene and drinking and all that stuff. Again, I need to not let my freedoms cause my brother to fall, right? And even if that is causing him to fall by judging me, remember we said that about drinking? Right? My drinking could call, cause him to fall by falling into drinking, or it could cause him to fall by judging me for drinking. <laughs> Either way, I should not cause my brother to fall. So watch your freedoms, and don't let them become a stumbling block to your brother. And then finally, uh, don't let your desire for God's freedom, that's a good desire. Don't let your um, opposition to legalism, that's also very good. Don't let that keep you from challenging your brothers and sisters to integrity. Galatians 6.1 says, and are you going to read this? I'll read it now. You can. Uh, no, I'm not actually. Okay, sweet. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be trapped. So watch those three cautions, and then make sure to not submit to legalism, or not be burdened with legalism. So with that, I'm going to pass it off to you guys, right? Is it you guys? Okay, Bonnie, come on up here. Scripture for legalism. And unfortunately, my computer isn't working, so this is used outside. <laughs> yeah, well, um, God does say obey the law, right? But it doesn't, you know, um, legalism goes beyond that, obviously. Um, so, did you have that definition? Yeah, so I looked on dictionary.com a uh, definition of legalism, and it said, Legalism is strict adherence to the law, especially to the letter rather than the spirit of the law. And in the Bible we're told that we're, we should strictly adhere to the law, but it's always been about the spirit of the law, what the point of the law was, rather than doing everything perfectly. So, um, one, one verse that we had was Ephesians 2.8. And that says, for his grace you have been saved through faith. And this, uh, and this not from yourselves, and this not from yourselves, it is the grace of God. Not by works, uh, and then it goes on so that no one can boast. So basically, um, you're not earning your salvation uh, by how good you follow the law.
is. There's also Colossians 2, 20-23. And it says... died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with us because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So, all the legalism, it sounds good, it looks like it's good worship, but it's not really, it's not good worship. It just, it doesn't really help with avoiding immorality and sin and, and all that. So, okay, another one, another verse that we found, uh, Romans 4, um, 13. It was not through the law, it was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that uh, he would be the heir of the world. Uh, it goes on, well, but through righteousness that comes by faith. Uh, to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are in the law, but to those who are uh, of the grace of Abraham. Uh, so, basically what uh, Ephesians 2 8 was saying.
you find that verse in Matthew, Nate? You could do 23, just the beginning. I would just work, I would just maybe pass on that right now. Okay. All right. Well, did you have anything else? Yeah, I have a Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Mm. Yeah. So, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law, the entire law is summed up in a single command love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on by, uh, fighting and devouring each other, watch out for you will be destroyed by each other. So the law is the whole point of the law is to love each other and love God, and not to adhere to minor rules that none of us can follow in the first place. And then also Colossians two eight. Another good definition of legalism is it's just hollow and deceptive philosophy made up by people to enslave you. Cool. I'm trying to race through this as quick as possible. Um, for starters, I think for biblical principles, I'll write them down before I have to um, the most important, um, I mean, not the most important, but super important, Galatians 6.4 tells us, no, never mind, that is not the passage that I wanted. <clears throat> yeah, here we go. 1 Corinthians 4.6. Do not be judgmental. <clears throat> Do not go beyond what is written. And so, that's essentially what could be defined as legalism. Um, <clears throat> you look at Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1 is essentially telling us that Christ set us free. And when you fall into this pattern, <clears throat> it's basically like a chain that's bounding us here. Um, however, <clears throat> Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak truth in love. And so there's a way to voice truth, and you always have to do it through love. Um, you, look at, um, you look at Galatians 6.4, and it's telling us to confront our brothers with truth. So we have to do so, like with love. If you look at, if you take that and put it together, with Ephesians four fifteen, um, and then the, the the verse that you gave me, Jake, um, on Hebrews twelve five um, through seventeen, is basically um, telling us that we need that truth. We need we need discipline. We need sometimes there's there's times where we need to be called out in specific areas, you know, and you might and it might it might sound harsh at the time. 
it talks about how there might be pain in, in, in the beginning, but like in the long run, it's essentially what we need in order to grow. And so, but there's a way to deliver that, and you can do it without legalism. And all, I think it all basically boils down to the, to the spirit, to the heart, and there, are you doing it with love? Um, and obviously staying within the boundaries of scripture. Um, I think, like, this is exactly what Jesus came to eliminate. This is what he was there for. I mean, not only, like, Matthew 23 through 26, um, talks about how the, fear, the, the Pharisees were calling out judgment when they themselves were unclean inside. And so that's a huge part. I feel like a lot of times when we get to be judgmental, it's because we're actually doing, dealing with the exact same thing and we're not really to confront it. And so, you know, be super careful as to how, I mean, don't, it's telling us to not be judgmental, basically, you know? How you carry out something, if you're going to tell someone something, if you're going to give them feedback and criticism, do it out of love. Make sure that you're doing it out of love. Um, you look at John 4, and John 4 is talking about <laughs> how Christ um, reached the Samaritan woman. Do you guys all know that story? Yeah, just making sure. Um, and essentially, it would boil back to what you were saying. Don't hang around these people. Don't hang around so-and-so because you can't. The Samaritan woman was the epitome, like the perfect example of that. Not only was she not Jewish, so it wasn't okay to be walking around this part of town, but she was a woman, and you couldn't just go up to a random woman, and he decides to go up to her, and, and, and all, all of, all of Jesus' followers were just like in awe and in shock that he was doing what he was doing, but he was setting that example. He was saying, don't buy into legalism that the Pharisees have been selling you. Like, you need to carry out these things that you love, and everyone... Everyone deserves to be set free, which goes back to Galatians 5.1, because I've given them freedom. Um, and like a good way that I like to put, like, to like clarify stuff like this, I think, do you guys know Mark Driscoll? You ever heard of him? Um, he gives a talk on, on religion, but when he's talking about religion, he's talking about legalistic religion. Um, and what essentially happens, I think, and this is like just the main principle, when people fall into this category of legalism, um, they think that there's two things that can happen if you buy into that system. One is that you feel like a total hypocrite when you don't accomplish all these, all these standards. Like you're trying to strive for it and, and you know you're not getting there. So more often than not, people fall into that category because we're not perfect. But it, let's say if you do, if you abide by all those rules, it's going to feel pride. And you're going to feel like you're better than everyone else. You're going to be like, I, you know, I'm the most Christian, Christian you know, out there. And, and I do this, and I do this. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I, you know what I mean? Like, and the list could go on, and it basically becomes a, 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 a pride, a thing of, an issue of pride. And what Mark Driscoll says, and it's totally true, and this is what Jesus came to say, is that the only, like, if this were a Western, Jesus would be the only dude on a white horse with a white hat. Everyone else would be wearing black hats and on black horses. You know, like, the only difference is that there's repented and unrepented. And so that's what he came here to say. Like, essentially, nothing can earn your salvation. You know, like, um, the, only, the only difference is repent. So I think Mark Driscoll, I like the way he put that. But yeah, those are essentially the... Those are the
everyone signs of deception uh, real quick. I'll just write them for it. I'm going to write them all out real quick. Okay, sorry about that. It took a little while. Um, anyways, uh, continue on. Uh, yeah, so basically, I'm not going to go into any specifics really. I'll go into a few things. Uh, speaking in tongues is one thing that comes to mind. Many churches kind of advertise that it's necessary for you to speak in tongues uh, to be saved, even. Um, and that can just hit on lots of those, you know, uh, flattery. Uh, Distraction from simple, pure devotion to Christ, foolishness, uh, physical, not, not physical, uh, legalism and manipulation, that's an obvious one. Um, and then I guess just another example uh, that would fit into most of these criteria would be um, a man named Benny Hinn. He's a pastor of church. Um, is it okay to go into this example? I think? Yeah, be careful. Be sensitive. Yeah, well, and Benny Hinn's the pastor of this church, and he basically kind of is pretty forthcoming about the need to give back to the church um, in terms of uh, the effect it has as you, on you as a Christian, uh, your need to give specific amounts of money even back to the church. Um, so that just goes along with legalism that it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, you know, you need to give X amount um, then and you'll be saved. That doesn't say anywhere about anything about that. Um, and yeah, that fits in a lot of those criteria also. Uh, I'd say that's about it. Pretty simple. So and then so the signs of deception you're saying all of them in some way go back to legalism. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, pretty crazy. Cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, history. So nowhere actually in the Bible it has like legalism, legalistic stuff. But that goes by laws, right? It has that all over the place. Not all over the place, but has that in Greek is nomos for laws. And um, basically what that is just like a, the laws of Moses, you know? And then the Pharisees kind of came up to, to like, if you, you have to do these, these, and these in order to be saved. And, um, and then for that reason, like now, it's kind of like why a lot of people are rejecting Christianity. And uh, that's also why a lot of people are hypocritical Christians, you know? And the reason why people are hypocritical Christians are is because they grew up in that type of setting. Is that uh, their church or the denomination they were in, they had to, had to do this, do that, hang out with these people, can't do this, you know? And that's how they grew hypocritical and then became, or grew up in those uh, legalistic denominations. And I guess I couldn't really find any specific ones. Like Nate already mentioned a couple, like what you have to do in order to, like, be saved, you know, you can't do this, can't do that, you have to do this, this, and that, and by doing those, you're saved, and I guess when the fruit is that, like, if you fall into, like, the legalistic stuff of church, you're going to kind of be critical, I guess, and you're going to have a wrong view of Christianity, what really Christ is about, so, I guess it's that. Alright, yeah, and that's... That's true. We actually had a group of people from a church, and I'm not saying all these churches are bad. Okay, there are a lot of these denominations will have churches with really good members and really good pastors, but it's something to be careful about. But we had a, a group from the Church of Christ come once to this cross-training class, but it was one for young believers, right? And these are baby Christians, like less than a month old in Christ. And there are six or seven of them. And this, this group comes in and starts telling all the young believers, none of you in here are really saved. 
and these young believers are going, uh, <laughs> what? And they started telling him, you were not baptized in our church. Right? And you weren't baptized specifically in the name of Jesus only, so you're not saved, right? As if God, Matthew, Jesus himself in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, got that formula wrong. Uh, so they, they put a lot of doubt in these students' minds. And I mean, I know one of those girls to this day, this is, this is nine years ago. I know one of these girls that I've seen in the last month, and she's not walking with God. She was so hurt. I, I remember hearing afterwards how hurt she was by them and how confused she was. I mean, if you guys are so sure the Bible says that's how somebody can be saved, how can they be so sure too? And they started taking their legalistic idealism and pushing it on her. It was not good. Uh, going back to the money thing, and I'm just going to close with a couple verses and Brian will be done. Going back to the money thing, what is the principle? Right? Okay, so on one side you have some major figure saying you must give this amount of dollars to our church. What is the principle in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8? Give joyfully, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but do what? Give what you determine in your heart to give. See, God has given you freedom. This is what I'm determining. And God wants you to give generously, and it tells us there that if we give generously, God will give generously to us, right? So we should give generously to God, not for what we'll get back, but simply out of our love for Him. But you should give what you determine in your heart to give, right? So again, yeah, there, it's legalism versus freedom in Christ. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 is where Jesus says, love God with everything, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says the whole law summed up in that. That's the main point here that God is driving at. Uh, I also wanted to look real quickly, guys, at Galatians 3, 1 through 5, because what had happened is these new believers, they started being affected by uh, what we would call the Judaizers. They are coming in and saying, now you guys have to live up to the Jewish law. You're telling these Christians that. And here's what Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? <laughs> right? They were trying to live up to these legalistic issues, and Paul says, who bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just this one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, of, uh, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Right? So he's saying you did not have the Holy Spirit come into your life as a guarantee of your salvation because you observed the law. You did it because you heard and believed, right? And he continues, Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believe what you heard? Isn't that great? Right? It goes back to simply trusting God and taking Him at His word. And then uh, I kind of want to flip ahead to Colossians 2, 13 through 17. You guys read the last last part of this? Check this out. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a, pub he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, because of what God did to save you, only because of his works, therefore, do not let, you guys have heard that right, I forget who first said it, whenever you see a therefore, make sure you know what it's there for, right? So because of what Christ did, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, or a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, right? It says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come, the reality, however, is found in Christ. So all those legalistic requirements of what days to praise God, what to eat, and where to go, and what to do, and all that, because that was nothing but a foreshadow of what we have in the reality is Christ. 
So finally, guys, we're just going to close with this Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's the whole point. So let's close it out. You guys are busy this week, right? Midterms? Let's close it out. Stand in the freedom that God's given you. Share that with others. Give that to others. And then encourage others in their walk with God. Right? Let's pray. Go. We pray. Close yeah. it out. Uh, hey, God. I just want to thank you so much for giving this opportunity. And again, your word, God, now, about uh, this legalism, God, that, uh, that uh, we cannot be sure of our salvation. It's not faith in you, God. We're saved by uh, the faith, God. And I just thank you for that, God. I pray that we just go out of this campus and uh, really just teach it or uh, proclaim your name, God. And uh, just thank you so much for this time. This place, I'll be the same. Amen. Amen. Hope you all Easter midterms.